All right. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, uh, haver of bad hot takes, haver of bad predictions, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rain of the Star Tribune. Uh, after the Minnesota Vikings got just demolished, destroyed, as Justin Jefferson put it, it was a disaster. It was embarrassing. It was all of the above. Uh, 40 to 3 to the Dallas Cowboys. What happened? Um, I, the reason we did not do a podcast on Sunday, I wasn't there. I was on the reserve COVID-19 list. Um, but coming back this week, Ben, you were there. And I got to ask you, first of all, what, what happened? You know, a lot of it was, I think, due to the Mike Rand hobby horse. Jefferson <laughs> line. I mean, you know, yeah. they, they just could not get anything going against that front and and that was more so in the passing game I and mean, that that has been a team that you could run on and they ran early and then for reasons I'm not entirely sure about decided to throw twice on the goal line with TJ Hawkinson in second third and short drive gets stopped they kick a field goal and that was really the last time they had a chance to take the lead um so it was it was the offensive line it was I think them getting beat up by a, a really good Cowboys pass rush. And then I thought defensively, um, you know, they they didn't have a lot of answers for Tony Pollard, number one. And uh, Dak Prescott did a really good job of – I mean, it was, he ended up, you know, 300-some yards, and you get to the end of the game thinking he didn't really beat them that badly uh, throwing the ball. But, you know, it's the, it's the throws to Pollard. He wasn't having to push the ball downfield. It was kind of just playing point guard. It was getting them in and out of plays at the line of scrimmage. Um, finding open guys and and not really taking many chances. I mean, they, they he didn't get sacked. They didn't turn the ball over. Um, you know, so they had a lot of those things that they were just efficient. And the Vikings, for as electric as they've been offensively, weren't able to get anything going. So that was a lot of it. It's just I, you know, the old football is one of the trenches. This game was kind of a, um. Uh, an example of when that is when that cliche tends to be true. Yeah, Mike, before the game, I was really confident in how the Vikings matched up against what was a really good Cowboys pass rush because we had just seen the Vikings offensive line hold up against a really good Bills pass rush. And I don't think we could see two different results than 30 some points, 33 in a, in a win at Buffalo and what we just saw from that offensive line against Dallas. Yeah, and it really goes to show how much, you know, fractions of a second matter right because cousins was still under a certain amount of amount of duress against buffalo they had to drop back so many times in that bills game they you know because they were playing from behind pretty much that whole game and so he was you know he was taking some hits he was still you know getting pressured in that game at a reasonably high rate but um you know i he he had been doing a good job you guys wrote about it heading into the dallas game about how you know, he'd been facing a pretty high pressure rate, but still having a pretty low sack rate and had been pretty successful in, you know, throwing under duress where maybe he hadn't been in in years past. And then this game was just, you know, if he had, you know, if you have two tenths of a second, three tenths of a second less um, in, in certain scenarios, it's just going to be a disaster. And I think that's what happened. You just couldn't he couldn't get any of couldn't get any space couldn't get anything going in any of those situations and maybe it's just Dallas's Dallas's rushers are faster maybe Dallas's rushers are 
I mean, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the matchup, the way they presented it, but they you're right. They couldn't get anything going, and that's that's a big concern. Yeah, it was, it was obviously losing Darisaw is a, a, a huge loss there, but him giving up two sacks before he even exits to a second concussion uh, puts them in a really bad spot. And Blake Brandle now is positioned to make his first start on a short week against the Patriots. Matthew Judon, who leads the NFL in sacks, so it's not going to get much easier um, then uh, they, they face the number one and number two teams in sacks and pressure yep. on defense in in five days for an offensive line that we, we see they're capable of doing it. And maybe that's a good jumping off point to talking about the variance of this team. I mean, nobody can obviously decide how good they are, <clears throat> but we see what they're capable of one week and what they are the next. I would assume the truth is, is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it is. And, and we're going to, get another chance to see where they really are on Thursday night. No Darisaw, obviously, against the Patriots. The Jets come in after that. The Jets have an awfully good front, too. I think they're fifth in pressures. So this is a a pretty tough test for this line. You'd think by a week from Sunday, there's a chance they have Darisaw back. But two concussions in back-to-back weeks, I would expect they're going to be fairly cautious with him and make sure he's completely cleared before they bring him back. I mean, O'Connell said after the game that we didn't have any concerns about whether he had gotten through the concussion protocol. He said he he did everything he needed to do. He got through it fine. But obviously, two of those things is a different story. And you start to be more concerned when they're back-to-back like that, knowing what we know about how dangerous the repetitive concussions can be. So, uh, you know, you'd think you'd have Darisaw by the Jets game, but maybe not. I, I don't know that we can say that with any certainty at this point. Um, they overall, I thought, I mean, when Darisaw was in, he struggled some. I, I thought, I mean, Ed, Ed, Ed Ingram has had a lot of trouble in the last several weeks, especially, and really throughout the year. He had another a tough day on Sunday. I, I thought you you kind of saw everybody struggle at different times, other than Ezra. I mean, Ezra Cleveland had a pretty good game. Um We've seen Brian O'Neill get beat a few times here in the last couple of weeks, which has been kind of unusual based on where he's been the last year, year and a half. Um, This is going to be an awfully tough test. And the other thing you wonder is how much are they doing to help their offensive line? They had, I went back and looked at this. I think they had on four of those seven sacks, they had just five man protection. You know, you're counting on your five to be able to block four in the most, for the most part, because the Cowboys didn't spend a ton of time blitzing, but the Cowboys are running stunts and, and just have really athletic pass rushers that are able to win one-on-one matchups. So do you need to keep you know more guys in and and uh, try to do some things differently there? They they had a couple other times, though, where they had seven-man protections. I think they had one with seven-man protection and Dalvin Cook chipping, and they still gave up a sack. So you know there are times where they're trying to do everything they can to – add help and it's still not working so does then that go to play calling does it be does it need to be where you get the ball out a little bit quicker as justin jefferson alluded to kirk cousins i think only got sacked once of those seven in less than two and a half seconds six of the seven were longer than two and a half seconds which would suggest that if he can get the ball out if you drop some quicker quicker stuff go to quick game like jefferson was saying maybe that helps you out maybe it's you know, trying to move the pocket a little bit, you may have to try to do some different things to help the offensive line help itself. And I, I'll be curious to see how they adapt to that on Thursday. 
Yeah, Ben, what do you make of of Jefferson voicing? And I mean, obviously, these players are open to voicing their concerns. That's kind of the whole mantra of the culture and and the openness and the player ownership that O'Connell and the coaches like to talk about. So when things go wrong and Justin Jefferson says on Monday, yeah, I wish he would have adjusted quicker. I'm curious what both you guys think. And, and Ben, what would you think about just Jefferson willing to step up and say that? I mean, I, I thought it was it was notable in the sense that he was fairly outspoken, but we've seen that from him in the past. I mean, he did it last year, kind of around the same time, I think. And um, I want to say it was in San Francisco that they lost. And he was kind of, he was fairly outspoken about kind of what he perceived to be a lack of urgency and, you know, talking about players needing to have a little bit more of it, I think. Um, And I, we've even heard earlier this year that Kevin O'Connell brought up Jefferson had had conversations with him about, trying to get him open more often and try to get him going. Obviously that problem for the most part, other than last week has been fixed with Jefferson's numbers and as spectacular as they've been. So we've seen him come out in the past and say things. And I, I never find that it never seems like he's doing it in a way that's like, um, I'm trying to cast blame. I'm trying to point fingers. I think it's, it's been fairly justifiable what he said it's just a matter of saying hey look this is what's going on and and i don't need to pretend that's not going on i i would assume he's saying the same things to teammates to coaches um but he he has not been shy about calling a spade a spade when something is going wrong and and uh you know we we tend to clutch our pearls and act like oh my gosh can you hear did you hear what he just said when an athlete says stuff like this but it's like can all see it. We all know what's happening. And uh, for somebody to say, yeah, this is, we feel the same way and, and give some voice to it. I, I think it's, it's certainly fair. And, and in this case was probably warranted. Yeah. Mike, what did you think? I thought it was interesting. I mean, I think it's interesting that he has kind of the, the license or feels empowered to, to say, to say something like that. And ben, like, to Ben's point, it wasn't like it's only been under O'Connell because he did it last year to a certain degree as well but i think ben's, ben's point is good like everybody sees it we it's not it's not like he's coming up with something novel like i think when you went back and looked at that game it was kind of puzzling their approach especially and maybe an unwillingness to come off of something that that wasn't working to to say okay yeah this pass rush is getting to us in a way that we didn't think it was uh, we got to adjust the game plan starting to throw start to throw some some quicker stuff or run the ball i think was it lavelle that wrote the column like what was up with the play? what was up with the game plan and it was it was a little bit um, a little bit uh, questionable. I think that they didn't maybe stick with the run a little bit more because that game wasn't out of hand I, until you know until really the second half. It got a little bit towards the end of the first half when Dallas scored a couple times late in that half to go up by more than two scores. But you know, I think they could have gotten some more going with a shorter passing game or or a, or a run game with Dalvin Cook. So I, I think Justin Jefferson made a good point, and you know, I, I think you know. How that I think the, the the bigger thing is how do how do they adjust how what do where do they kind of go from here with with the offensive game plan because I think it's got to be somewhat different than it was uh, in the Dallas game now against New England another good front now again there's there's a balance right because when we saw you know the 2016 season go sideways it was because they couldn't protect Sam Bradford at all but they probably overreacted to a certain degree and started throwing passes that were two yards, got the ball out immediately. And they just, they couldn't move the ball that way either. They, they, they came, they became predictable in the other direction. So they got to trust the offensive line to a certain point, but also give them some help along the way. 
Yeah, this Patriots defense is going to be tough for the Vikings to find much room against. Um, like we mentioned before, they're second in the NFL uh, behind only the Cowboys. Pressure rate, second in the NFL in sacks. Matthew Judon, Dietrich Wise. Um, they just lost Christian Barrymore up front. They're pretty deep. Uh, Bentley at linebacker is a really good player. Then they've got some good players in the secondary, and they are, I believe, one behind the Vikings in takeaways, 17 on the season. Um, so they're really sound defensively. They take the ball away like the Vikings do, but conversely, they don't allow a lot of yards like the Vikings defense has. I want to read some very concerning stats about the Vikings defense. <laughs> That's not going to surprise anybody listening to this podcast. But through 10 games, they are 19th in points allowed. That's the good one. They are 30th in yards per play allowed, 29th in points per red zone drive allowed, 26th in defensive penalties, um, 22nd on third downs, and they had zero sacks on Dak Prescott in a season-low 21% pressure rate. That after pressuring Josh Allen 42% of the time in Buffalo. So it wasn't just the offensive line. It was the trenches on both sides. That defensive line was just nowhere to be found. And I, I don't know what to make of that. Um, I mean, what, what do you guys make of Zadarius Smith and company not being able to get much done against Dallas? I mean, I'll jump in quick. I just, I, I wonder if he's fully healthy. I think he's been battling that knee for a while now. Keeps showing up in the injury report, being limited at least, and has had to leave at least one game, if not two, and then kind of come back in with that contusion. That's been bugging him for snap a while. Was way down on Sunday too. Say that again. His snap count was way down on Sunday too. It was the lowest of the year. Even, you know, he's been playing through this, but the snap count was down even by those standards. So you got, you got that. So I'm a little worried about, I'm a little worried about that. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the secondary too. I mean, look at <laughs> the, the depth just hasn't really been there ever since, you know, people, you know, can't, the opinions of Cameron Dantzler were kind of all over the map, but you see the replacement. I mean, I think Evans played fine in, in replacement for him, but then he went out with the concussion. Sounds like he could be back this week you know, based on injury report stuff, but we won't know for sure. I don't think until I, I wouldn't imagine we'd know for sure until game time, but he could help. But I mean, that, you know, that's kind of the, the succession plan. And Booth got beat a few times the other day and he's, he didn't see, he, he didn't practice on uh, Monday either, if I'm not mistaken. No. So I mean, they, they had a, that was a simulated injury report because they didn't do anything. Right. And today I don't think they're practicing officially either. Um, I think it's, it's uh, it probably some kind of a jog through. It, it's something that that makes it so they don't have to open it up to the media. So we won't really we won't see them until uh, Thursday. It's like covering a college football team. But um, yeah, I, we'll have to see what Booth can do because yeah, the fact that he was had a new injury that popped up on there is um, yeah, it's kind of the next in a long line of injuries so far. But, but Andrew, to your overall point with those numbers, I mean it's a. Kind of seems like Ed Donatello is running right now the bend but also break defense. I mean, the the, the red zone's got to be better if you're going to give up all those yards. And I think I saw their dead last in actual like red zone percentage of T- TDs allowed. I think it's 71% this year. Obviously, Dallas got in a few times the other day. Uh, so it's, I mean, that, that's, that's problematic. If you're going to, you know, you got to have the takeaways if you're going to do the kind of things they do. And I think still now they're, 
eight and zero when they're at least even in the turnover battle or winning it. Now they're zero and two and they're not. So that that tells a big story too. They 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 turned the ball over and they they lost against Dallas. They do. Um, yeah, Ben, this defense is not playing very well, but I guess against Mac Jones and the way that that New England offense has been playing, it's that the, the water level is at least going to be a little bit lower. Uh, you, would presume, you would presume on Sunday. Uh, yeah, a team season. that needed a punt return to beat the Jets. Yeah, I, I think uh, it should be a little <laughs> bit lower than it has been. I, I think we could be in for a, a fairly low scoring game on Thursday night um, with the Patriots defense being good enough to keep the Vikings in check, probably at least keeping, keep them from going wild. And then, yeah, that Patriots offense from Andre Stevenson, you're going to see a lot of him and and they're probably going to try to test that Vikings run defense that hasn't been all that great. Uh, You know, the other one to keep an eye on this week is Dalvin Tomlinson to see if they can get him back. That would, that would certainly help. Um, But yeah, Mac Jones, it's not a great, passing game you've got you know guys like Devonte parker the former dolphins first round pick um i think hunter henry the long traveled tight end in there um jacoby myers i believe um you know it, it's they've got guys and nelson Aguilar, i think is there i mean it's a lot of guys that have had chances other places that have now made their way to new england which has kind of been the, the way the patriots have staffed their receiving core for the better part of the belichick tenure uh, it's a little different though when you don't have Tom Brady making those guys better. Um, you know they they will not probably light you up in the same way that we've seen Josh Allen or Dak Prescott be able to do. But they'll try to run the ball and and uh, try to keep it probably to a you know sixteen thirteen kind of game. That that could be what we're in for Thursday night. It'll probably be a muddy game. Um... Uh, and I, I guess the post Josh McDaniels era so far for Mac Jones is not, has not looked too great. Um, he's thrown four touchdowns to seven interceptions this year. He has yet to have a game with more than one passing touchdown after doing so seven times as a rookie for Josh McDaniels. Uh, I believe the Patriots have the combination of Matt Patricia and Joe judge as their offensive coordinators. So it just hasn't looked cohesive. Uh, over there in New England on offense. But Bill Belichick is still coordinating great defense, and that special teams uh, is obviously always really good in New England. Joe Judge coordinating, uh, I guess, Joe Judge coordinating offense that uh, the center of it is Kirk Ferentz's kid, I believe. So the um, old school coaching old boys network is alive and well. (laughs) Um, it's going to be tough, though, uh, because at least defensively, that's going to be the toughest one. See how this Vikings offense can rebound against the Patriots defense. Um, to note, Aaron Jones is the only 100-yard runner they've allowed all year. Um, and Alan Lazar is one of only two 100-yard receivers they've allowed all year. Packers had their number in that Bailey Zappi. Boy, that, that eye-popping agreement Packers offense is probably uh, <laughs> too much to handle for both the Cowboys and the Patriots. Um, but other than that, they are good against the running good, especially against running backs, because Justin Fields is second on the rushing list against them for single game this year. Um, they've been really good. Otherwise, every other running back they faced has been held to 60 yards pretty much or fewer. Um, Dalvin Cook and company, are they're going to want to get the running game going. Obviously, the Vikings are. Um, I do wonder how well they're going to be able to do that against New England. Uh, Adam Thielen said on Monday about Bill Belichick and the Patriots. From an offensive perspective, they take what 
they take what you're really good at away. There are a lot of teams that try to emulate that and just don't do it that don't do with it. Don't do what don't do it that way week in and week out. Excuse me. They take away what the offense is really good at. They find weaknesses. They expose them. I think that's why it's going to be a great test for us. So if you are the Vikings, are you expecting them to take away Bill Belichick or take away, or excuse me, geez, Justin Jefferson or take away the running game uh, the way that they looked on Sunday without getting uh, much of much going to Jefferson? I think they'll try to take Jefferson away primarily. I mean, this is a team that plays a lot of man coverage. You know, still plays more man coverage than just about anybody in the NFL. So you may see a lot of true doubles. I think that from what I recall when they played there in 18, there was a lot of doubles on Diggs and then probably a couple on Adam Thielen as well. As well. It was sort of, hey, you got to have to beat us with somebody else. But you know, that's kind of what I wonder is if you are trying to run the ball to keep Cousins out of the third and longs where he's susceptible to being pressured and you know possibly either getting sacked or turning the ball over. Um, and this is kind of the philosophical discussion on running the ball in, in the modern NFL, but how long do you stick with it? Because if you're getting stopped for a yard or two and, you, and then you're in third and long anyway, that doesn't help anybody either. So in this idea that you can run and it adds up over time and the big runs come later in the game hasn't necessarily been proven by the data. So, you know, I think that's always kind of an open discussion as well. But, yeah, they have not shown that they are willing to just establish the run and go back to it over and over and over. I think Dalvin Cook has only had three games this year with 20 carries, has not had more than 20 carries in a game. And last week I thought was running the ball fairly well, and they they kind of just said no to it. So, um, yeah, on a philosophical level, how much do you stick with the run game knowing that the Patriots will probably try to clamp down on Jefferson as best they can? I mean, I think – Maybe the one difference this week is you could get into a little bit more of a game like that since you're not probably fearing a, a track meet. You're not going to be. That's true. You're not yeah. worried that New England's going to score on every possession like Dallas was on uh, on Sunday. I mean, it, it, they certainly could. The Vikings have enough questions everywhere right now to to make you wonder exactly how this game's going to go. I mean, I think Thielen spoke well to another point. I mean, I just feel like this is an important game for them. They got to. You know, they they kind of passed that character test after that week two loss to Philadelphia. And, you know, they talked about, you know, this is kind of where the, the culture comes in. And they won seven games in a row after that. They were all really close. But, you know, we all kind of wondered, what is this team all about after that Philadelphia game? And then, again, they, they played well. But at that point, they were also pretty healthy. And I think that you're starting to see... facing the Lions. What's that? They're also facing the Lions, not and the ability. And they also needed a 10-point fourth quarter rally to win that game. Uh, against the Lions, suddenly red hot Lions. By the way, second your second place NFC North Detroit Lions. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, I, it's still you know, if if we're talking about this game just as a big picture thing, I still think that the biggest concern for me with with this team and just going into this game is I don't think we're you know bailing on them because of one really bad result, but I think we are starting to see kind of the cumulative effect of some of the concerns we had, especially about the depth of this team and how you take away one player really from each of three parts of the team. That's Dalvin Tomlinson, Christian Derrissaw, and Cameron Dance. They're not, you know, not their three best players. I think Derrissaw is, you know, pretty highly graded in terms of where they are just overall and on the offensive line. So that's an awfully important player, but they were struggling even 
with him in in that, that in that Dallas game. You take away one player from those three units, and all of a sudden there's question marks about stopping the run, holding up in pressure, and stopping the pass. And that's that's a problem if you can just take one guy from each of those spots and then you're worried about it. Yeah, Ben, we were talking before the podcast and you sounded, you know, uncertain who you were going to take uh, eventually. And I'm not going to make you make a selection right now because in part I have no interest in making a pick on this game myself <laughs> after how poorly mine went last week. But um, it I seems like win too, it happens. It seems like you're on the fence though. I, I thought this was going to be the first two score win on Sunday and it was one of the worst home home defeats of franchise history. I think that was actually, I saw somewhere that was the, the uh, largest Cowboys road win in yes. their yes. history. That's incredible. Hey largest guys. Cowboys road win and largest Vikings defeat in the city of Minneapolis. Yes. Wow. Hey guys, um, don't feel don't feel bad about predictions. My season prediction was mathematically impossible after nine games. So don't feel bad we about should that. have made a taco bet. Should have. Your stupid Gophers had that game <laughs> on a platter. Yes, they did. They did. PJ Flex should be coaching the U.S. men's national soccer team. The <laughs> art of playing not to lose is <laughs> alive and well. Oh my gosh! So not a so Gophers it, podcast, and I'm just yeah. letting my annoyed alum thing come yeah. out. I'm supposed to be objective, so we'll go back to the Vikings. But yeah, vents <laughs> for a minute there. What we were saying was that is that uh, George Edwards had the last lap. Is what we were saying, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess he's dead. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, oh, with Dalvin? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. what I saw Thielen said on K-Fan, I think it might, might have been yesterday or today, something about how coaches get in their feelings sometimes and think they can say whatever they want. Um, I don't know if any players in the locker room were asked about it, but it just or if Dalvin was, but it just seemed like a weird – Talk to Dalvin, yeah. It just seemed like a weird interaction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll we'll talk to Dallin a little later today, so maybe we'll hear a little more about it. But yeah, it was very strange. Um, I it seemed like Edwards maybe said something first. So, and Edwards certainly left here not with the warmest of feelings about how everything had gone. But I don't, I don't know that those things would be directed at Dalvin Cook as much as um, another former Dallas Cowboys assistant coach and how he felt about his working relationship with him. But, um, yeah, kind of an interesting moment there on Sunday. It was. It was. It was really, really strange. Um, among the very strange things to happen the last few weeks for this 8-2 and two Vikings team, um, one where, as Mike mentioned around them, the streaking Detroit Lions are winners of three straight, although they're hosting, I believe, the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving. So that streak might come to an end. Um, but when you look around the NFC in terms of, the teams that are starting to catch hot right now, San Francisco absolutely destroying Arizona on Monday night. Um, if you're the Vikings, you're looking around thinking that the NFC does feel a little open, but there are certainly some teams that I just don't want to face if I'm Minnesota. That team would be at the top of my list, the 49ers. Da- it, it, Dallas that, would be at the top of my list. Well, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I, I don't know that Dallas would do that again. I, I no. think you probably have to assume it's not going to be quite that bad, but – um, I mean, of the teams that they have not seen yet, sure. um, I the 49ers, I think the Vikings should probably be rooting for the 49ers to catch Seattle and win that division because if they are the seventh seed, that's not a matchup I'm looking forward to if I'm the Vikings. I just I think that team has a lot of 
things going for it that the Vikings would have a hard time with. Yeah. I, you know, just looking around in general, I think if the Vikings, you're glad you're not in the NFC East because they've not done well against those teams in general. I mean, they, they did beat Washington, beat but it was, they beat the commies, but it was not, uh, not easy. Need a little, uh, Ron Rivera gifting and, uh, and, and some of that in that game. And they got blown out by yeah. the Eagles and Cowboys. Um, they also got the, uh, the ref also may have had something to do with that game. being. Oh, as that's close right. As <laughs> the tackle on the great tackle on cam, cam Bynum yes. in that game. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, it, it, this is just an interesting time for them. They, they really, I don't think this is, I don't think we're talking about any kind of like must win games, but they kind of reestablish, they got to reestablish something in this New England game to make themselves feel like, okay, at least we, at least we're going in the right direction. Cause when you lose 40 to three, like sometimes it's easy to just wipe away 40 to three. It's maybe easier sometimes to just wipe that away easier than like a 34 17 game where it was like, you know, ah, we got beat pretty bad, but boy, now we got to look at it. like forty to three. It feels like everything went wrong. You can kind of wipe it away, but they 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 don't they're a little bit a little bit more precarious now, especially when you have a negative point differential on on the season. It's so weird because the 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 NFC North is I don't want to say loser proof, but it's pretty close. I mean, you know, the margin they have at this point is going to be really hard for anybody else to come back and overtake them in the division. Similarly, the they've got enough of a lead in the race for the number two seed, and it doesn't really matter that much. But um, and they're they're behind again to the Eagles, so they're kind of floating along in this in this spot where they've got a pretty good chance to be the number two seed in the NFC. But nobody can really say with any certainty that they're the second best team in the NFC. Um, and they they have a lot of work to do to kind of you know, complete that thesis, I suppose, that we are indeed this good. I mean, Kevin O'Connell talked about it after the Buffalo game that we earned the final stamp and proving we're one of the best teams in the league. That was a really impressive win to come back and do that on the road, but then to come back home and get beat as bad as he did. I, nobody wanted to kind of give voice to the theory that they were flat and out of energy after that Buffalo game. Um, it certainly looked to me like there was a lack of energy compared to what we've seen early in the season in that Dallas game. So maybe that's part of it too, but it's just a very strange spot where you have this gaudy record, even after getting beat that bad, but you take one of the worst losses in team history and all of the questions you might have about if this was a, you know, five and six team or, you know, four and six or whatever you'd happen to be at this point. A lot of those questions are, are kind of floating around the, ether of the the team and a lot to figure out it's also interesting that you know a lot a lot of players compared that bills win to some of the playoff wins recently minneapolis miracle the win against the saints in 2019 at the superdome all of all three of those games now have been followed by just complete duds (laughs) by their teams um because they i believe that 19 game they weren't they weren't really in that san francisco game very well. No, they were they like were, challenging records for the fewest first downs in a playoff game. I mean, the 49ers just ran the ball down their throats. I feel like the game, I feel like the score was close at halftime, but the, the game flow was not even close at yeah. halftime. Yeah. Yeah. It was such that you just felt like if the if the 49ers had a 10 point lead, it might as well have been 30. So I think, I think there's certainly something there with, you know, the emotional weight of that and, and the letdown of it. However, people, 
I think seem to want to seem eager to use this result as validation for see what you were doing was fake and, yep. and you know basically trying to validate their undercutting of an eight and one team heading into that week. Um, where I feel like the truth really isn't that extreme on either end. Like, no, they probably weren't as good as an eight one team, but I don't think they were as bad or going or going to ever play again as poorly as they played on Sunday for a myriad of reasons. Yeah, it's like how far above the mean were they and how much regression is coming? It's kind of a big question. Yeah, I agree with you. The the kind of chorus of C knew it all along. Um, I don't know that I completely agree with that, um, especially after beating – I mean, the commanders have, have played a lot better, and they were the first team to go beat yeah. the Eagles. So they may be a little bit better than people were giving them credit for too. Um, and it's hard to take that Buffalo win – away from them. That was awfully impressive to do what they did. I mean, they, they had to catch some breaks too. And, and maybe there's some of that that goes into it. We were talking about this a little bit too, that, you know, among the, the analytics sites, football outsiders leave some room for a, a variance metric kind of saying, you know, how much can this stuff be subject to change based on luck or just the fact that we're talking about human beings that are not machines that perform the same way every time. And um, yeah, it, you have to leave a little bit of a, a margin to say, well, we think it's this, but we're not entirely sure. We don't know what we don't know sometimes. Yeah, and in the big picture, maybe one of our final thoughts. In the big picture, I think all of us agreed that if they got through that Buffalo through the Jets stretch at two and two, they would feel reasonably good about themselves. Yeah. They are one and one in that span, and one of them feels awfully bad, one of them feels awfully good. So, you know, as long as they win one of these next two, um, Position wise, I think they're going to be feeling fine. You just what they can't have is this to suddenly become a slide, and then you look at, uh oh, all their division games are still road games. They still got to play, you know, the Giants for however good they are. Um, you still got to play, you know, some other some other tough teams. And then it's like, okay, you start counting wins, and it's like, yeah, okay, you got to make sure you get enough of them to to stay in that spot. But I think they can, I think they can feel good about themselves or reasonably good as long as they play good in these next two games and get at least one win. All right, we will talk to you guys next from U.S. Bank Stadium on Thanksgiving night after the Vikings play host to the New England Patriots. Until then, please check out StarTribune.com for all of our work.